Hey everybody, I'm Caleb. And I'm Hoyt. I'm Trevor. And Andrew's using the bathroom because he just chugs more than a bottle of water. Um, we are, I'm going to be, I'm going to keep it like a buck 50 with you. Uh, this is where we're getting into hour number four of recording podcasts on this evening. We recorded a lot tonight. We have, and I think it's gone swimmingly. Um, but we are all the tired and we don't know how long this podcast is going to last if we're keeping it a buck 50. So, uh, we're going to jump straight into Hoyt's heresy. Hoyt, you said you wanted to mix it up this week. So you're going to get like you're going to give me one again instead of yeah, uh, I'm yeah. going to give you this one. Um and we'll, so it'll be a uh This is a this has a little to do with last week's main podcast, not the bonus episode, but mm-hmm. last week's main podcast dealing with mostly Hillsong but a little bit of Bethel kind of stuff. So we'll call this Caleb's catastrophes. Caleb's catastrophes. I don't know. I just was thinking mm-hmm. of a C word. All right, so um, this is from Seth Dahl. Or Seth Dale. Dahl. Last name is spelled D-A-H-L. I think that's Dahl. Yeah. Dahl. Like Roll Dahl. Yeah. Um, Bethel trained pastor is what it said. Um, if you know anything about Bethel, they're super into the visions. Getting a vision from God. Yes. This is what he says. He was likely trained at the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, but... 100% probably was. Um, One time I was laying on the floor, and in a vision, an an encounter with God, Jesus picks me up and holds me so close that I can't see anything. And Jesus starts to weep, and he says, Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Okay. So couple of issues um the, the, the this this guy jesus here um he, he sure doesn't sound like a guy that lived a perfect sinless life here on earth Mm-mm. and he sure doesn't sound like a guy that you kind of owe everything to because he bore the weight of your sins on the cross and when he drank the cup of god's wrath um he, he sure doesn't sound like the kind of guy that uh you will be bowing on one knee to when you stand before the throne of god after you die. Um, so I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that uh, this guy, Jesus, and the Jesus that you and me would be talking about, ain't the same dude. This is why I like to say that uh, we don't worship the same God. Yeah. As these people do, which is why um, people should not listen to their music. Well, in, in this this is a textbook case of old boys probably read scripture knows what it says and what it doesn't he's mm-hmm. just deceptive yeah like a textbook heretic as a textbook so, heretic is yeah and does um so to uh to, before before we go on too much of a tangent here um no no. Ah, using the old yes. thing. But, and, and, okay, what's not explained? What's the context of the vision? Every vision in Scripture has a purpose, mm-hmm. and it's it was always to convey some message, whether 
like from God to a particular person or to the people of Israel or to the elect after you know uh, Christ's resurrection and the Holy Spirit comes. So, what's the purpose here? What what message is God supposed to be sending through this person other than that Jesus is saying, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And it doesn't like say what he's sorry for. It just says that he's sorry because apparently there's supposed to be some moral uh, justification just because you experience the emotion of being sorry. Yeah. Um, like I can be sorry for a lot of things. That doesn't give me any moral right standing. No. And... If this is Jesus, as he says, and Jesus starts to weep, and he says, please forgive me, please forgive me. That means God incarnate, Jesus Christ, is now in our debt. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to leave it there. There's not... Not much more to say on that one. If that doesn't like make the hair on your neck stand up, then um, you you and God might want to have a chat about that one. Your thoughts, Andrew? Uh, just on the not maybe as much as focusing on, but I'm rambling. Uh, him saying, "I'm sorry." God isn't sorry for His plan to save us. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about one thing. Um, God's plan has never changed. And it is perfect. And it's perfect. So, so why what would could he Jesus, be sorry for? What would, yeah, what would he be sorry for? This is... this is. And yeah, this is just a quote. So we yeah. don't know the context, but the context so far is not good. I'm not... What, what context could there... Po- unless That's what he's, I'm saying. Unless he's yeah. saying that someone else said this and he is... Um, like belligerently berating this person for saying this, there's yeah. not a context in which this sounds good. Yeah. So, I mean, the only one I, I'm assuming the quote is, I was in there when you were reading it, um, was the dude from Bethel. Yeah. And his like vision where Jesus like gets close to him and says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Like the only other way I could, like when someone says they're sorry is like when they're sympathizing with you. But, you know, I feel like the mercy of God overcomes that and that he doesn't really need to sit there and tell, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. God doesn't yeah. really need to do that. Yeah. So, you got anything else you want to put a This is just something funny. This is just another quote from someone at Bethel. I view the Holy Spirit like the genie from Aladdin, and he's blue, and he's funny, and he's sneaky. That is Bill uh, Johnson's wife right there. Yeah, Jen, Jen Johnson. Johnson. Jen Johnson. It, the heresy runs deep. Um, I'm looking bit. at an Instagram post right now. Uh, oh, wait, is this Should the... I just read some of these? Yeah. Well, is that the Instagram post? That's the Instagram post that we all have to share on our stories right now. Yeah. 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 Um, so this is from Chris ba- Balaton. Sure. Is it? Uh, Bethel Prophet. Um, the poor gospel isn't the gospel Jesus preached. Hmm. Uh, rich young man, hey, go sell all your stuff and follow me. So, hmm. so Jesus was one of those... He, Really, really, really wealthy carpenters. Yeah, that lived yeah. back in the gap. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. He built. He actually built um, all the mansions Benny Hinn stayed in. Yes. Oh. No, that's not. 
Um, so, uh, going on with that quote, he preached the good news of the kingdom where nothing is impossible with God. Do I believe in a prosperity gospel? You bet. It is the only gospel that has the power to transform us into the image of Jesus and destroy the works of the devil. So we can only, um, transform, we can only be transformed into the image of Jesus and destroy the works of the devil if we are prosperous. Well, to quote Kenneth Copeland, God needs you rich. God does need you rich. God yeah. needs you rich. Money cometh unto me. Um... That was another Kenneth Copeland one right there. Full of Uh, gems, that man. My gosh. Another Chris Valaton. Do you know that God wants you to be wealthy? It may be contrary to what you're usually taught in the church. Huh. But Hmm. I believe that wealth is a sign of God's blessing in your life. Not necessarily wrong. As long as this wealth is used. Let's talk about Solomon for a second. Okay. And it's how we are made to live as children of the living king. Okay. Solomon. Solomon was the wealthiest person ever walked the face of the planet. Solomon also was a royal screw up, quite literally. Um, Wisest man ever walked the face of the planet. Wealthiest man ever walked the face of the planet. And gave it all up for women and more wealth. So. um, Now. Now. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. And just listening to that, I'm going to ask you, the listener, the question, what does it seem like this person's sights are set on? God or the blessings of God, i.e. financial blessings, money. And him, uh, there, above this, there's a picture of him. That sure sounds like the love of money to me. Yeah. And above this quote, there's a picture of him standing in a nice leather uh, jacket, brown leather jacket, nice looking shirt, nice looking jeans, uh, standing in front of a Ferrari. Uh, I'm sure him and Chad Beach have a great time together. <laughs> now, Chad Beach is more of like the L.A. kind of style where he wears like the baggy stuff, you know, yeah. kind of so like, like the, Rich Wilkerson, maybe then. Yeah. Well, Rich Wilkerson, too, though. He's like that He's Miami kind of. I know, but he's kind of like that Miami thing. We're thinking like a, uh, this is more like a Levi Lusco kind of look. Okay, but Levi Lusco is not that degree of heretic, though. Not that degree, but I would, yeah. He, it, I wouldn't even consider Levi a heretic. He's just shallow with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about this in nauseam, so. Yeah. Um, there's one more I just saw that was uh, crazy. Um. We're not necessarily crazy, but it's not good. Um, this is Eric Johnson, Bill Johnson's son. Every government, every structure, every system, fundamentally and theologically, must start with the concept and the idea that people are good and they are meant to do good, even if they are not saved. We have to start with that premise. Yes, because apart from God, we are we're we're, we're good. Yes, we can do good apart from God. Us and this kind of even leads into the thing totally evil and depraved world. Apart from the only thing good, it can do good. That makes sense. And I'm I'm an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> this even leads to the first thing we were talking about. Where I mean, if we're good, but God has a plan, and uh, um, everything happens for a reason, and why God's the I, author of that plan. Why do I need God's plan? But if something bad happens to me, God's in my debt now because I'm good. So why why do I need God's plan to begin with if I'm good though? Huh? Oh, you don't. Like what? What is God saving? It's me just something from? you can add on to your life. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> My gosh! I mean, the 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 blatant heresy in all of this is just astounding. These are supposed to be some of the more high level heretics too. Hmm. 
<laughs> the up and up. Yes. Like this uh, isn't Apostle John Eckhart or Pastor West. This is Bill Johnson's kin. Uh, two from Bill Johnson himself. Um, actually, I'll... Okay, three from Bill Johnson. Death is not always in God's timing. Oh, so stuff not in God's plan can happen. Mm-hmm. Ah, gotcha. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, God, gave God it. does not know. The author of the book of life. Yeah, yeah. author of the book. He doesn't know when everything's going to happen, and he he, he has cre- no control over it. that. No, he didn't create it. Our all-powerful God he does not have control over our lives. Hmm. He the didn't initiate Psalm it. 139 says, has a book in which all of our days are numbered. Not in Psalm 23, where he says he will make you lie down in green pastures. Ah, yes. Um, Bill Johnson, uh, God gave every believer the power to heal as Jesus did. But releasing such miracles through you is all about recognizing authority. Wait, how's that diabetes coming, bro? Um, you know what? I actually prayed for healing the other day, and I threw up my insulin pump. Threw up a little bit for a while, but... And Hoyt's dead. Hoyt's. So, um, if this was a video podcast, that would have been funnier. But I appreciate yeah. the effort. Well, I, got, I guess I it's you and me now, Caleb. Yep. Um, anyway, but yeah, how about how about old boy Timothy? Who uh, you know, if there was ever anyone that had the authority to heal anybody, it would have been Paul, right? I mean, Paul healed plenty of people. His handkerchief was like Nyquil <laughs> 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 to put a. To put a uh, um, lame story. Yeah, uh, well, Paul's homie Timothy was sick pretty much his entire life. Yeah, you know? he had diabetes. <laughs> well, we don't know what he had. We don't know. But, I'm just messing. Like uh, Paul wrote to him and said, "Hey, take a little wine for your stomach because like, exactly. he's a chronically sick guy." Yep. So, you know, I, t- obviously, it's not our will by which people will be healed. It's God's will, mm-hmm. and. You know, we can get in a continuation. Now, do we lay hands on and do we ask for healing 100%? And like James would even say, like anointing oil, go for it. Yeah. Um, like absolutely. We'd pray for the intercession of God. And this is where I agree more with Matt Chandler on like kind of like the uh, continuation. Continuation things, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, uh, these are supposed to be the high-level heretics, and mm-hmm. this is like they're barely getting into single-A ball yeah. here. Uh, last one. And this is my favorite one because it completely lines up with denying that Jesus is the son. Did you know that Jesus was born again? I asked the first service and they said no. But I will show it. It's in the Bible. He had to be. He became sin. That's, uh, yes. a, complete, that's a complete twist because of scripture right there. when he died on the cross and took the sin of the world on him, I guess that was the second time he became sin. Yeah. Yes. And mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. Dang, Andrew. He had to be born again. Yeah. yeah. So they use Jesus being baptized and That's they the use big one. they use the verse um he who he who knew no sin became sin. But they leave out the first part. He who knew no sin yeah. became sin. Wow, it's it's like if you look so at the context verses make more sense and can't be twisted as much. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> I mean, I think I said this during the podcast Thursday when we rambled on. But like, yeah, Bring so so the the spotless lamb was spotted and then cleaned and then yeah, you know, it's yeah. really hard to clean a spotted yeah lamb. It is. 
you know, when those spots are, mm-hmm. yeah. The mm-hmm. and the does the, does the Old Testament not say a lamb spotless from birth? Yeah, so I was talking about, well, and again, like even for the uh, sacrifices, it had to be a spotless lamb, mm-hmm. you know? spotless from birth. It couldn't be cleaned and then sacrificed. It was yeah something perfect from the day that it was birthed. And like this, like that means like it was maintained to be spotless over the entirety of its life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so. That's enough heresy for one podcast. <laughs> that was quite a bit of heresy. Yeah. Uh, to sum uh, it all, what about this one? Uh, holiness oh. provokes hatred. The greater the holiness, the greater the human hostility toward it. It seems insane. No man was ever more loving than Jesus Christ, yet even his love may... Pe- oh, that's R.C. Sproul. Sorry. Well, I, I was about to say, like, our, our <laughs> hatred for sin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was about to say yes to that. And then you said Archie Sproul. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was just seeing if y'all were paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> Confusing us a little bit. Still on top of my game here as we're approaching 1 a.m. Yeehaw. Oh, listen to this. So this kind of goes against the uh, – one more quote, and then we'll then we'll get into the podcast. Um, this is from Vody Balkum. Love Vody. This goes into what we were just talking about with healing. Sometimes God is glorified when six saints get well. But more often than not, God is glorified when six saints die well. Ooh. Ooh. Just a little something. Mm. Hmm. We love Vody. Love Vody. Um, Vody has some health issues as well. He, yeah. For a minute, he was going to need, the, like, he was seriously potentially going to need a heart transplant, mm-hmm. but not going to need one. So, yep. Word God up. is good. God do be good. All right, Kelly, not, what not are we talking about today? Not sometimes, but all the time. All the time. So, a very good friend of mine. I was I was just like floating around some, uh, floating around some friends asking like for ideas for uh, podcast topics. Um, just like we we have stuff lined up to talk about, but see if there's other stuff that we hadn't really thought about. And a good friend of mine um, suggested we do like, uh, not discipleship, but, like sharing the gospel, uh, like where you are. And um, like how to do that well? What does it look like? That kind mm-hmm. of thing. We so love good friends. Yeah. So good friends do become in a clutch. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna talk about a couple of things. Talk about like uh, different gospel presentations. Um, talk about. Uh, we're, we're actually gonna like we should have done this probably sooner, but like we're gonna like break down a passage of scripture. Yeah. Uh, live, on well not live, recorded on air. Yeah. Recorded, not recorded on microphones. Don't think about it too hard. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm an old man. I'm going to need you to turn the lights on real quick because the fire yeah. is not lit anymore. And the fire never really illuminated. It was illuminating well, was the see, underside of your Bible. It got a wee bit toasty. A wee bit toasty. See, uh, the fire did be kind of warm. Oh, that is bright. Holy cow. Flashbang. Okay. So, if you uh, have your Bible at home if you're driving please don't do this please trust me no. that god's word says what i'm no, saying no let let jesus take the wheel <laughs> um so th- this yes listen to andrew let go of your steering wheel <laughs> this passage of scripture Retweet. is found in two different places um it's at the end of matthew chapter 13 but where i usually choose to read it from is mark chapter 6 beginning of mark chapter 6 I'm going to go retrieve my Bible. That's a great idea. So, 
we like like good Baptist boys. We are using our actual Bibles and not our phone Bibles. Is it in the car? Yes. Good job, Andrew. Hey, you should be glad I brought it. He did bring his Bible. Good job. Um, so we're gonna kind of Andrew, hurry up. Uh, we're gonna kind of don't talk you about love stuff. when the scripture you're reading, like the specific verses, end on the end of the page. So I have to turn the page to finish verse six. Mm. Another reason the NASB is the best. I actually thought I'd get in a, a NASBA. You should for a while. I, I like them for two, two well, three reasons. So it's more word for word than ESV. The only difference between that and this and New King James is it has taken all of the thou and the thou hast and the yeah. henceforth and all. It's taken all those out, and it capitalizes like God, Jesus, God's personal pronouns. Yeah, and it's red lettered. Yeah. Like not, th- there are some red letter ESVs out there. Like Rare, gotta, but yeah, there uh, are some. Just it's hard like, to find. Well, so the, part, part of Crossway's deal, like the ESV Study Bible, is like fifty bucks, <clears throat> and for a Bible with the amount of resources in it, that's not a lot. No. And so it was made to be super affordable to get as much in your hands as possible. So like, if you just read. You can tell where Jesus is talking and where God's talking and where He's not. So right. it's just not shouting off from the page at first glance where God's talking and where He's not. You have to actually read it. Just <laughs> hmm. um, do a little work, maybe. But like that, that's you know, Crossway ESV's great. Um, that's my preferred translation. So we're going to be looking at Mark chapter six, starting in verse one, going through verse six. This is talking about Jesus has been. Um, doing his ministry for a while now. If you look at uh, like the Matthew account of this, this is like right after Jesus tells the parable of Sarah and he's uh, making his way back home to Nazareth. And he finally gets back home. And starting in verse 1, he says, He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? They took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and among his own household. And he could not; he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went out among the villages teaching. Okay, so what we see here this is a this is a passage of scripture. It's kind of one of my pocket sermons for when I have to go speak at FCA or when I get to go speak um, for any kind of event. Really, uh, when I got asked, whenever I get asked to like go uh, speak at a saw you at the poll rally for like the Wednesday nights after seat at the poll. Um, you know, the, the go-to verse for the seat of the poll is uh, if my people will uh, repent, turn to me, I will heal their land. Like, this is a big part of that is like being accountable for making sure that your land is repenting in the first place. Uh-huh. So Jesus is going back home for the first time since starting his ministry and his entire family is there. And what's something that I, I think kind of goes unsaid, but everyone kind of knows to be true. It's way easier to share the gospel with people that you don't know on mission trips than it is in your hometown with your friends 
people you know and your family. 100%. So, <clears throat> having been on both sides of the coin, um, I feel like to a certain degree, like it's even easier for you and me than it is for a lot of people because by and large, at least at least in Starkville and back at East Central, um, this was the case. Like I was known as one of the BSU guys. Like people just expected me to act a certain way and to uh, live by a certain standards and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but like even then, back in my hometown, Clinton, that's not always necessarily the case. You know why? Because I'm a sinner. And I did a lot of stupid stuff growing up and lived a life that I'm not, I'm not proud of. Like I'm not going to act like I'm proud of the way that I lived my life before I... Um, I, I, I was absolutely... Like I got to say when I was not. Like I'm not questioning that for a minute, but like <clears throat> I, I grew so much in my faith my first years of college, and I wish I could have do so, done so many things differently back in high school and junior high. But it's comforting to a degree to see okay Jesus is going back to his hometown and they the the Nazarenes are like who is this guy this guy's a carpenter what what's going on why does he think he can just come into our synagogue and teach like this like who gave him this authority like his dad was a carpenter his mother's here with us his sisters are here with us his brothers are here with us like he's nothing special yeah um, who gave him the authority to do all this it's just Jesus it's just Jesus like as yeah. much as like Jesus was a common name back then too. Yeah. Like uh, it was a common Jewish name. So like there was nothing particularly special about him growing up. Um, which is what we was which is consistent with what we see in scripture. You know, Jesus didn't start his earthly ministry till he was thirty or thirty three. Mm-hmm. I'm on the thirty side, but um Yeah, 'cause some people believe like he actually died when he was like thirty six, thirty seven. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I'm not going to act like I've done a ton of research on that, but anyway. No, I um, haven't either. He said he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. A few sick people and healed them. That's one of the, that's one of the, that's a verse that's kind of always like bewildered me because that seems like a mighty work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that just goes to show you the degree to like, okay, that's not, just like a God flex moment real quick. That's not a big mighty work for God. Like that's, like you think, Healing sick people is a big mighty work. You ain't seen nothing yet. Like yeah. wait till I wait till you see me uh, bear the weight of your sins. You know, mm-hmm. wait till you see me forgive you. That's a mighty work. Wait till you see me rise from the dead. <laughs> yeah, like not raise someone else from the dead. Rise myself from the dead. Yeah. I love how Matt Chandler uh, puts he. He was like, uh, he's like, we're, uh, he was in the sermon. He's like, I mean, we're talking about God here. We're talking about the guy who you know healed the sick. You know, told dead people to stop it. <laughs> I love that. That's, I'm going to use that and claim it as my own, but give Matt Chatham credit because the Holy Spirit will convict me for it. There you go. Um, so just like a couple of things real quick. Yes, when Jesus went to his hometown, it was super hard for him to uh, get the point across because they didn't see, that they didn't really hear the message because they couldn't get past the messenger. And... Like they're they're more caught up with the messenger than the message, and um, as wonderful as the message that Jesus was bringing was, they couldn't get over that because to them Jesus was nothing special, right? But at the same time, Jesus still went back home. Mm-hmm. So, what that says to me is, 
Like, absolutely. Some people are called to live life on mission where they go and they don't ever come back. I think more people are called to that than actually end up going. And it's not close. But, you know, that's that's too hard. That's too inconvenient. So people don't do it. But at some point in time, pretty much everybody comes home at least for a season. And it can be super hard and challenging to uh, – Hold your no, I'm not going to say hold yourself to that standard, but it can be super hard when people that uh, saw you growing up that are used to you here you, you you give them a great message and that's not what they get away from it at all. Um, like I can speak to this myself. It's so easy for me, whether it's you know, being a camp counselor with a group of kids for five days. Like, all they know about me is I'm this guy that loves Jesus and loves camp and uh, loves playing games and stuff. And I love to teach. Yeah. That's all they know about me. And that's super easy and convenient for when I'm trying to nail these guys with the gospel for five days. But, and like, when I go on a mission trip, all these people know about me is that I am um, going out for a little while and I'm, you know, here to share the good news of Christ. That's all I know about me at all. They don't know. They didn't see firsthand a lot of the stupid stuff that I did growing up. You're like this is not to equate me with Jesus because Jesus probably never. I'm, and I'm. I mean, very loosely probably, never did any stupid stuff growing up. We're talking about the perfect and inerrant uh, Son of God here. Mm-hmm. So, um, if it, if it was hard for Jesus, why should I expect it to be any easier for me? In the first place, at the same time, if Jesus still went home to share the gospel because they needed it just as much as anywhere else, why should I do anything differently? Why should I think that I'm exempt from going home and sharing the gospel? Why should I go home and just lay low before it's time for me to go back out somewhere else? Mm-hmm. You know, when we're called to live life on mission, that doesn't mean life away from home that means life and if you're not going to uh you know be, be a summer missionary if you're not going to go on a spring break mission trip if you're not going to do whatever then you better be putting yourself in a position where you are honoring and serving god just as much as if you were on mission mm-hmm. um, because there's, there's nothing wrong with like uh Growing up, staying in your hometown, getting a job, wife, kids, picket fence, two dogs, all this stuff. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But you better make sure that you're honor serving God with everything that you can because he deserves that. Yeah. He, he, he earned that when yeah. he uh, forgave you for your sins, something you didn't deserve. So Jesus goes back to his hometown and shares good news with him. I know it's hard. And like, Hoyt, you can say the exact same thing. Like, we'll, we'll never be able to escape our reputations in our hometowns. Mm-hmm. Like, e- even our good reputations, like, that, that's still going to be with us. Like, we're still going to be remembered um, for our good and our bad. Yeah. Uh, that clock is louder than I remember it being. Holy wow. <laughs> it's a sign. It's a sign that you're going insane. Oh, you want to hear the clock? What clock? No, I hear it, but it's not like super loud. No, 
Uh, okay. It's actually really quiet. Well, cool. I can see the ticks of it, though, on tr- through Trevor's microphone. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, but, yeah, yeah before, like, before understanding, we get into other stuff, like, what are, your, what are y'all's thoughts on that passage of Scripture? Like you were talking about with reputation and everything, like, there are some people who I know probably still see me the same way as I was in high school, unfortunately. Um, but prayerfully, I hope they don't. Um, not because they know what I'm involved in, but that they see it. I mean, I hope that that's, you know. Let's say it's, I'm from fairly large city, Pensacola. So depending on who I was going back and ministering to, because, you know, I could go to a different part of town and start ministering to people and none of them would even have ever known that I existed. But if I were to do it to like people I know, the majority of the people I know also went to church with me. So there's not a very large group of unbelievers, but I definitely feel like it would be difficult thinking of like the, the few that come to mind probably wouldn't be willing to take me seriously, but would take someone else seriously more so than they would you possibly possibly. The, the the few people I knew who were unbelievers were even like through like trying to plant seeds never really showed any interest at all. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and but at the same time, that's not necessarily the, the point that I'm trying to make is not necessarily speaking to uh, how likely they are to be receptive. It's how easy it is for me to share the gospel with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would definitely be harder for me than someone else just because of it's it's like knowing someone that well is almost like a curse, mm-hmm. and them knowing you that well is almost yeah. Because you I don't want a, to burn your bridges is the thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. like telling someone, "Hey, you're a sinful wretch in need of a savior," is not a great way to um, necessarily strengthen a friendship. Well, yeah, an eternal friendship. Trying absolutely. to think of of more how to like word this, and it's kind of like the sad reality of if you build a friendship with someone and don't make sharing the gospel with them evident and clear from like day one, it's hard to all of a sudden shift to doing that and coming off as still being like the same friend you were. Yeah. Uh, like just an example, I was talking with two or three friends the other night and, um, we got on like a, theological bait i just really start just start talking about like the order of salvation like you were uh saved by grace alone through faith alone and jesus christ alone uh for the glory of god alone by the means of scripture alone um and we just kind of went through that now uh talk with them about like the reformation and everything so not necessarily like a gospel conversation but but a gospel conversation and they're christians uh, how serious they are in their faith or if it's genuine at all i don't know that um, but those people that I was talking to are the very same people who have seen me drink before, and so it's a it's a, it's a it's a very tricky thing to do with old friends like that. And I feel like 
somewhat random but especially like in the south with drinking with how negatively it is often viewed by christians that's that's a tough one to get over yeah and exactly like and it's like and when you have like a lifestyle change not necessarily that you don't do it but you don't do it like in excess like you used to or at all yeah i guess that's that's another side of it i'm thinking more of like jesus going back to his hometown I mean, based on what we talked during the heresy, maybe he wasn't perfect as a kid. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I, I feel like he didn't have a bad reputation about him at all. Yeah, that no. he would have had to overcome. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't want to say that, but like, um, it's hard to to reconcile a, and start a different type of relationship when they're the people that kind of ran with you when you're in that old way of thinking yeah um so yeah. it's hard to establish that relationship yeah yeah and once that relationship and it's not necessarily that that relationship is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum where yeah. it's like dishonoring god but is it honoring god yeah and yeah. it's just shifting the goalposts in any direction it can be hard yeah you know uh but i mean Newton's first law: abiding rest and staying rest, abiding motion and staying motion. Like once you get the goalposts moving a little bit, it can be easier to you know, keep pulling and pulling, 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 mm-hmm. and pulling further in a particular direction. Um. So yeah, so like this is uh, one of my go-to passages of scripture that um, I, I can I love using to paint a, a bunch of different pictures. So. As far as like us, you know, Christians in, um, like, and I think to a degree we can call Starville a hometown, maybe not like our hometown, but like we, uh, we, we I've lived in Starville for going on yeah. two years now. I mean, I, I call it for three years. I've called it, I've called it a hometown before. Yeah, and what you live thirty minutes down the road. So, to and while we, y'all lived there for a year and a half, three years, yeah, I probably stayed there. Yeah. Over my lifetime, more than yeah, four years. Sure. Five um, years. So, I completely lost my train of thought. Okay, yeah, yeah. We're going to look, let's just like look at things from the perspective of Starkville. Um, we're, we're relatively, I feel like outside of our churches and outside of the BSU and Mississippi State degree, we're still relatively anonymous in Starkville. But at the same time, like the thought of going door to door doing stuff in Starville makes me cringe. Whereas I was so pumped up and ready to do it in New Orleans. Now, part of that's just because I know the um, the mission field is objectively larger in uh, New Orleans, both by percentage and by volume. But at the same time, um, like I, I was super excited to go do that. As opposed to, the th- like I, I, the thought of doing a start would just makes me feel uncomfortable. And you know, like we're buckle the Bible Belt. There's a church on every yeah. corner. Um, me and Jimbo, or Jimbo, looked it up, and I was with him, and we started talking about it. There's like eight mosques and like five Jewish temples in New Orleans alone, and so like there's less. There's a couple in Mississippi. Yeah, a few. Yeah. If that, so it's also like a different, 
while it's still in the south and it's still close to the bubble belt, New Orleans is a whole different Yeah. A whole different game. But um we'll we'll have plenty of time to do stuff down there. Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited. I'm so yeah. excited to be there. But um so like as far as like practical sharing the gospel stuff, like, have you done any stuff with the evangelism team, Andrew? At the BSU? Not much. Yeah. So the uh the their their kind of go to gospel presentation is the three circles. The and good old three circles. If you have done anything with the BSU Mississippi State, they have drilled the three circles into you, more than likely. But deservingly so, because it's a good gospel presentation. Yeah. It's not the one that I use, but it's a good one. Well, and it basically it, walks you through, like, okay, this is what God's perfect plan was. This is how sin corrupted it, and this is how you get back to God's perfect plan. It's through the saving work of Christ. Um, I It doesn't really work without a pen and paper, and I, we can't show them because they can't yeah. watch the podcast yet. But... <laughs> Um, I'll walk if, you through if, mine. if you were curious Just show up to the BSU yeah. Someone there yeah. Will be more than happy To pull out a piece of paper And show you What the three circles is the, Hey Hey hey! There's an app For the three circles There is You can I think you can search I'm going to test this I think you can search The three circles On the app store And you can get an app For that And I'll walk it down Step by step And it'll like Pull up scripture references For every single yeah. step too um, But while he's doing that So my go to Gospel presentation method is kind of like my own version of the Roman road. Like there is a, uh, there isn't an official Roman road, but like this is just kind of mine. So I start with, um, you know, you know, I start with creation and talk about what creation is. And I talk about what sin is. And then I, wait, I'm just talking through my, uh, my version of the Roman road. I searched three circles on the app store and I found a Kim Kardashian Hollywood app. So do not search that. That's impressive. So, um, we start with like Romans, uh, Romans three twenty three. all of sin fallen short of the glory of God. And then we moved to Romans six twenty three. for the wages of sin is death. Um, but then we, I, I cut that one in half. Then I go to Romans five, eight, um, which the, you get, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then the second half of 623, and the free gets of God's eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I found it. Of 623, I mean. The app is called Life on Mission. It has the three circles method in it. Sweet. So go down to the app, and if you ask God for a chance to use it at some point, you will have a chance to use it. Yeah. I think the best analogy is... Can I finish my Roman Road first, or are you going to forget what you're going to say if you... <laughs> no, I, it's in there. Okay, um, but who knows CTE? <laughs> so, uh, I my, s- okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm super distracted. Just do it. There's a moth in there, and it's reflecting on the window, and I see it flapping around, and it's annoying. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead and say what you're going to say, and I'll just start. My no, uh, that's all I was going to say. Okay. So I'm going to start over anyway. Okay. So start with Romans three twenty three. Uh, for all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. We've established that we're all sinners, including me. Like, I suck. We all suck. Then, 623. Some might say depraved. Yes. The wages of that sin is death. That's the first half of the verse. Then, Romans 5, 8. Um, but yet, while we were still sinners, while I still sucked, while I was still depraved, Christ died for me. Then the second half of the verse, 623. Um for the way, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our yeah. Lord. 
Then um, I go to Romans uh, 8, 1, which says, uh, there's therefore no condemnation for anyone who's in Christ Jesus. And then, like, how do we get to be in Christ Jesus? Then we go to Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe your heart that he rose from the grave, then you'll be saved. For it is with uh, the mouth that one, it is with the heart that one uh, believes and is justified, and with the mouth that one confesses and is saved. And then we go back to Romans. So, like, this is how we get to salvation. Now, what do we do? We go back to Romans 6 1, which says, What then shall we say? Are we to continue to sin so that grace may abound all the more? By no means. And then, depending on the person, I'll like read through more of uh, Romans chapter 6 because that, that was one of my comfort passages for a while where I would just sit down and I would read that passage like every day in my quiet time. Um, just because it means so much to me. <clears throat> and then I kind of close it out with, uh, I, I, then, then I go to Romans 12, 2. And wait, I know you love that one. Go ahead and quote that one. Huh, Romans 12, 2. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. Um, conformed. I do not uh, be conformed to the way. Wait, wait, no. Do not conform yourself, yourself to the ways of the world. The ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Sorry. Yes, I, I was. I was. I had my mind on another scripture. Then you like, yeah. just bamboozled just me. Every other word. And then we go back scripture. to <laughs> Romans chapter eight, verses uh, thirty-eight and thirty-nine, mm-hmm. which basically say there's nothing that can separate from the love of Christ. Right. So. I know it's kind of all over the place, but like without like um, saying where the references are, like I, I, I obviously just quoted, I know where all the references are. So when asked, I can present them. But when I'm just flowing through those, that's to me the easiest way to like quote scripture fluidly um, from the book of Romans to present the gospel. Mm-hmm. So I kind of do something similar, but I start. Um, um, with their condition first, or no, no well, like, like, I, I, like I, at this point, before I do, before I go down the Roman road, I've established like what uh, I've established creation, and then I've established like what happened to creation, and that was sin, and then right, sin, and obviously, sin. yeah. Um, but as far as like you know, just the the plain gospel, I start off with like, okay, what is the gospel? So I think Romans one sixteen is the best thing that um explains it. You know, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for is the power of salvation. Um, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, um, and then uh, so it's the power of salvation. So we're being saved to something. We're being saved to eternal life. So what are we being saved from? Um, the wrath of God. And so what? What is our position towards that? So I take them through Ephesians two, um, just that one through ten passage, and then do. I don't go as far with the Romans road. Well, no, yeah, no, I do all those verses in in the Roman road, but I like to use the uh, courtroom analogy with God's justice and everything, which uh, amplifies his amplifies his love. Um, like if uh, if God is just, how can he forgive sin? Um, he forgives it because he is also love. He is he cannot be one or the other. He is 100% all of his attributes. And I go into a, a thing about God's attributes and just so that they not only walking away just saying, oh, God loves me. That's pretty nice. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sinner, but I mean, that's probably not for me. But I, I want them to, that's the Holy Spirit's work in them to make them believe or not. 
and I present it the best way I can and will answer any and all questions I can. Um, but I want them to have an understanding of God and the gospel, if that makes sense. God through the gospel and the God yeah. we serve. So, and the, with the work of Jesus Christ, obviously. Yeah. And I think it's <clears throat> worth noting as well, like it, th- this kind of thing, sh- sharing the gospel, like street corner evangelism, hometown evangelism, it's going to come more naturally to some people than others. Mm-hmm. Like some people are just gifted absolutely. Like this friend that uh, um, recommended this topic to me, like she was telling me the other day about, like she was just outside walking and she ran into these girls and was like, hey, you know the gospel? And they had a great conversation and everything. Um, I, I am not that bold in that regard. <laughs> I, I would much rather um, sit down in a room and teach from a podium than I would uh, do street corner evangelism like that. Now, I've gotten way better at it doing stuff with the evangelism team at the BSU. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I, I, I'm, I'm not a shy person in that regard either, but it's just not the area that I'm the most naturally gifted. And I understand that to a certain degree, it's not my job to become the best at everything. It's not my job to become the best evangelist when that's not the gift that God has given me. God has given me, like, teaching is my number one spiritual gift. Mm-hmm. So, like, I need to do that to the best of my ability for sure. But, like, I also need to be able to evangelize when God calls me to. Um, like, hospitality is another one of my spiritual gifts. I love having, like, my family group kids over and I'll grill burgers and stuff and it's great. But, like, for someone else, that may not be their best spiritual gift, but they still need to be seasoned enough that they can be hospitable when they need to be. You know, so like the the weight is not just taken off my shoulders. Like, okay, that's not my spiritual gift. I'm gonna let someone else handle that. I'm like, no, you still need to um, at least say that you can do that when you need to, when presented with the opportunity. Because who knows who who are you to say that? And like, I'm talking to myself too. Like, I'm not I'm not <laughs> removed from this. But like, who am I to say? that um, someone else is always going to be available to do this when it could very well be God's will for very, it could very well be God's will for me to do this and God's you know waiting for me to see what I'm going to be and God's presenting me with the opportunity to be obedient or disobedient to what he's calling me to do and generally speaking I would like to be on the obedient side but also generally speaking I am not <laughs> so um, like I said like I'm not Evangelism is not my number one spiritual gift, but it is something that I do work to get better at. And if you don't put yourself in positions where you are going to get better at it, then you're never going to get better at it. Now, how do you get better at it? The best way is to do it with someone that knows how to do it well. Um, generally speaking, like with the evangelism team, when they partner people up, they look at personalities a lot. So, I'm 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 a little bit more on the outgoing side, even though I would still consider myself an introvert. I'm a little bit more on the outgoing side, and the girl that I got paired up with was not. Um. So, for for her, it was it was good for her to be partnered with me to see how to you know just randomly walk up and approach people. Also, pro tip, I have learned. That if you just find someone that is sitting by themselves in the union and go sit down, they're never going to deny just like having a good conversation. 
This is never, true. It's never like I've like me and my partner, Allison. That's what we ended up doing for like most of the semesters. Like we would go in we, to the union. We would sit down with someone that was that's my family. Your wife. Yes, it is Allison Watson. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Allison. We would my family group daughter in law, who's also my niece. <laughs> Uh, but on the other Suspicious. side of the family, I think. No, never mind. Uh, uh, we'll talk about that later. So we uh, we, we would go in and we would just find someone that's sitting by themselves, whether on their laptop. Generally, if they're on their phone because they're laptop, they might be doing school work. Yeah. But there's always someone that's just sitting on their phone, so that makes it easy to just go up and start a conversation. And there have been lots of phenomenal conversations, um, gospel presentations. And what's so funny is we'll sit down and start talking to somebody and they'll start cussing up a storm talking about a party they went to or something. And then we start talking to them about them, like why we're talking to them and their attitude immediately shifts. It's like, oh yeah, I go to such and such church like every week. Okay. <laughs> so then we get to have, and we're not like really catching, usually we're not catching people like between classes and stuff. These people that are just coming like, hang out, study, eat a meal, whatever. So we can have a longer conversation as opposed to people that are rushing to class when you only got 10 minutes to go all the way across campus kind of thing. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's uh, one way that I've found is super helpful for having those conversations to begin with. And something that the BSU does a really good job of, like when they're training us to do uh, evangelism stuff on campus, is the first thing you ask somebody is like, how can I pray for you? Because I've I've only had one time, and it's just funny. It was my first time ever doing anything like that. The only time I've ever had someone tell me no, they don't want to pray for them was the first time I walked up to someone like, "Hey, bro, can I pray for you?" They're like, "No, thank you." And that's the only time it's ever happened, and I've done it a ton of times since then. So I've never had the pleasure of like leading someone to Christ from that, like in doing that. But I don't know what kind of seeds have been planted. I don't know what kind of ball got, what kind of snowball I may have been a part of. You know, that's not for me to know. That's not my place to uh, judge. Like Jesus didn't see any. We we don't have any documentation of the fruits of Jesus' labors in Mark chapter six and in Matthew chapter thirteen. Like I said, that Jesus could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. So. It's less about like that's not to say like all all of Jesus' siblings would later go on to become believers, like James, the author of the book of James, uh, Jesus' brother, Jude, the author of the book of Jude, Jesus' brother. All twenty four sentences. Yes. Verses. Sorry, not sentences. Verses. Verses. So, to me, it's like it's not my job to convert somebody. Like that. That's that's on God. It's my job to be obedient to what God's called me to do. And what God's called me to do is to honor and serve Him. And if God up like on a dime and calls me to go stand outside harned on campus and pray for people as they're walking by, by golly, I better be obedient to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I need to join the evangelism team. You do need to join the evangelism team. I'm actually not on it this semester. Hmm? I'm actually not on the evangelism team this semester. But... Anyway, anyway, um, back to the point. I've been talking for a minute. Y'all say something. Oh, uh, so you talked about your spiritual gift being teaching earlier. Put the mic it. next to your mouth. You talked about your spiritual gift being teaching earlier. 
And I was trying to remember what mine was, and I was like, it's in First Timothy, exhortation. And uh, there's another word that's similar to exhortation, but it's not exhortation. Exaltation? No. Exaltation. No. It's, um... Exaltation. No. Exaltation. No. <laughs> it's it's like another word for preaching. Um, But it's not teaching. It's not exhortation. Prophecy. Instruction. Let me look this up real quick. Andrew, say something. Um, for going on like a practical way to evangelize prayer, pray f- a for willingness to share the gospel, for opportunities to arise to share the gospel. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah. praying for patience. Like yeah. If you ask, if you pray, to, if you pray mm-hmm. to God for patience, He will test you yeah. to be patient. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Pray for willingness to take those opportunities when they see them. You know, do. Like, go buy a Bible, put it in your bag, and pray for God for the opportunity to give that Bible away. I was at a camp over spring break, and a guy came and spoke, and he was a piano tech, or talking about a piano technician who went with a famous pianist on a tour to Russia, and he snuck eight Bibles over the border and prayed that he would be able to give them all away. And I think within the first week, he had given all eight Bibles away. That's so cool to just people so just pray for opportunity that's awesome i pulled it up here and this reminded me okay so it was exhortation um discernment shepherding um teaching and i think knowledge were like my top ones yeah exhortation teaching knowledge discernment Shepherding. Yeah. Yeah. And as I like taking those tests. It's kind of <laughs> cool. Um, and prayer, prayer is so important. And when you, uh, when, when someone does let you pray for them, uh, something that we want to think about, you have a captive audience because generally speaking, there's enough respect around the construct of prayer that you don't just like walk away from someone while they're praying for you. So there's plenty of time to do a whole like little god. If like you get the vibe that they're just like going to up and leave after you pray for them, you got captive audience. You can do a whole little gospel presentation right then and there uh, while they're just chilling there. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So. One hundred percent. Agreed. I saw when we were in New Orleans. Uh, one of the days we were down there, we did a uh, we, we like gave away hot dogs. And chips and waters and stuff to people that were hanging out at a park, and this guy, uh, who who is an evangelist down there, um, he said he wanted to like get everybody that was there like huddled up, and he did, he wanted to pray for everybody for you know, ask God to bless the food, and he wanted to uh, you know, just pray for everybody and everything. So he got everybody like fifty people huddled up in a circle, and he did like a whole like ten minute gospel presentation in this prayer. I was like, dude, at a boy, he's like. How many of these people ain't gonna go to church at all? But like, it wouldn't, wouldn't give anyone the time of day if they just came up to him and tried to share the gospel with him. But like, you got them here with a hot dog in their hands. They know they ain't supposed to eat that hot dog to get done praying, Mm-mm. and you done sharing the gospel with them. Like, good job, homie. Pretty We're awesome. So, yeah, 
Um, but bring it all back together. It, it's super important to not look over the fact that we're called to share the gospel with our hometown just as much as we are with the rest of the world. And just feel like there's there's lost people everywhere. There's lost people in your hometown, just like there's lost people in East India. You know, there's like there's lost people in uh, what's a lost place? Nepal, yeah, or in Russia. Like there's lost people everywhere, including your hometown. So like you're still called, like when you're at home, to live a lifestyle that honors and glorifies God. And if part of that is God calls you to be a little bit of an evangelist while you're at home, you better be ready to do that. Yeah, on the drop of a dime. So that being said, like, it's not going to be easy. Like, it's going to be hard. Like, you're going to have stuff thrown in your face. Like, Jesus had the fact that he was a carpenter thrown in his face. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with being a carpenter. As a matter of fact, I'm very appreciative of carpenters because things would not very often get built without them. So. There's a lot of wood in this cabin. There's a lot of wood in this cabin. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what cabins are. Yeah. So. Wooden abodes. If Jesus had the fact that he was a carpenter thrown in his face, like, imagine the crap that. Like they could throw in our faces. Sinful people could yes, would get thrown in your face. You know? Yeah, like st- stupid sinful stuff that I did will get thrown yeah. in my face, probably justifiably. But that's neither here nor there. Like I still have to be obedient to what God is calling me to do in the moment. Yeah, and yeah, it's like uh, if you're witnessing to those people who know that about you. I mean, you, you can't say anything. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. But I mean, this is yeah. what God did. This is how God changed me. Um, I, there, there have been times when I've um, like felt God tug on my heart to talk to somebody, somebody I don't know about something and I said no and like I get reminded of that frequently but at the same time I've never once regretted having that kind of conversation with anybody ever I've never regretted it a single time yeah so it's a good idea to do this stuff so yeah Anyway, guys, thank you for tuning in again this week to the Priority One podcast. Um, we hope that you take this information that we have broken down, that Caleb has broken down tonight, Lord. And uh, I almost said, Lord, like I was praying. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like prayer is important. It's almost like prayer is important, Andrew. You're exactly right. And we pray that you do implement this though, into your everyday life. Yep. As always, I'm Hoyt. I'm Caleb. And I'm Andrew. And Trevor's asleep. He was talking his boo thing for a minute. Oh, he was? Okay. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. We love you. Tune in next week.